I was pointing out last time that the Christian life is simply a process of having your natural self changed into a Christ self. Welcome to the Inklings Variety Hour, where fans and scholars of C.S. Lewis, J.R.R. Tolkien, Charles Williams, and others discuss their works and lives. I'm Chris Pipkin, and with me today, I have William O'Flaherty for a special C.S. Lewis Reading Day crossover episode. This is a two-part conversation, so if you haven't listened to the first part, go ahead and check it out on his excellent podcast, All About Jack, then come back here to listen to part two. William, great to have you. Ah, it's good to be here, Chris. So happy C.S. Lewis Reading Day. We've mm-hmm. already had, as I mentioned at the top, the first part of our conversation where you interviewed me about my favorite C.S. Lewis books. But we're gonna we're gonna get on to the four essays and, and books you picked out. And we talked on your show about the screw tape letters in general and you've written down screw tape proposes a toast so why'd you pick that what screw tape proposes a toast about yeah well since you had picked uh, the screw tape letters and it would be kind of obvious for, for me to talk about it i decided to go with the essay that came out not quite 20 years later so lewis was you know around 40 when he wrote the the book and then he was, I guess he, he was actually 60 or slightly older. But anyway, he had avoided, actually, just from brief background, he had, had avoided writing any follow-up to the Screwtape letters. He was asked to uh, do something, and then he just really just didn't want to. Uh, but then the Saturday Evening Post asked him to, and this came out then initially in 1959, and then it was collected in one of Lewis's uh, collections of essays, that was published during his lifetime, The World's Last Night. So that's something we want to encourage people to read if they're looking for uh, something good to read by Lewis. I mean, you, you can't go wrong. There's a lot of good stuff. And, you know, the, the humor that, you know, we saw in the screw tape letters that was still here, but it's, it's, it's a humor in a kind of a different sense in that it's not necessarily always a laugh out loud. Uh, one of the things I guess I didn't say when you were talking about the screw tape letters on my show was that for me when I was first reading it, besides just kind of like, you know, okay, you know, it's someone else's life, it's interesting, kind of like, you know, reading over someone's shoulder what's happening in their life. But then it's like, wow, I can relate to some of the things that are this guy is, is going through. Now, the, the Screw Tape was the Toast essay, though, is a little bit different. It's, well, be, before we got started, I was saying it was like 6,000 words. That, that actually includes an introduction because I had it in a, a separate file here. But nevertheless, it's it's quite a bit longer. Somewhere in my notes, I have somewhere else that it's maybe five times. It's it's at least at least three times as long as a typical screw tape letter. And so you know he is addressing because it's a toast. It's he's giving the, you know some remarks at a annual dinner of the Tempters Training College. And so he, you know, sets up some things and makes some different references. It's humorous because the whole approach to the screw table letters was the devil's perspective. And then since it's it's a banquet, about the third paragraph, then he notes, you know, apology for the banquet, which is set before us, that, you know, human souls used to be, you know, uh, something that we could just count on. And now we have to really put our effort into it. 
And then he's, you know, suggesting that, you know, Henry VIII and you know, obviously a Hitler would be somebody that the, the devils could could feast upon, but there's not as many, you know, good evil people out there and such. And so it's uh, it's it's really interesting now. I was trying to remember my copy of the screw tape letters that I first read definitely didn't have the toast. And so I, I don't have a very specific memory as to when I first read it. I know I read the, the, the screw tape letters early on. I believe I shared when you were on my show that I know I bought my third copy of it with the same cover back in 1985, with the first one being around 82. But the, the essay version, don't remember, but I was remember being definitely very pleased about it and how he just, he makes some fascinating things about, comments about education that's very true today. Oh, it's just, mm, you know, very, very appropriate and, and, and stands out today. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the satire is fantastic. The, you know, one of my favorites is the municipal authority with graft sauce that they're, that they're eating. Right. <laughs> Personally, I could not detect in him the flavor of a really passionate and brutal avarice such as delighted one in the great tycoons of the last century. Was he not unmistakably a man creature of the petty rake-off pocketed with a petty joke in private? and denied with the stalest platitudes and the public utterances, a grubby little non-entity who had drifted into corruption, only just realizing that he was corrupt, and chiefly because everyone else did it. Then there was the lukewarm casserole of adulterers, right? So, like, mm-hmm. this this group of subhuman humans, basically, people that didn't make it to sort of full humanity where they could really make choices. And Lewis is sort of claiming that it's... Because of bad education, that that basically, you know, the conformity to certain sort of patterns of sin, there isn't a real self-consciousness to it. There's not a fall, really. There's just a failure to rise, which is, yeah, which is, which is fascinating. And, and, and it's, it's his most political screw tape letter, obviously, or thing by screw tape it's it's far more right, yeah. societal than i mean the screw tape letters are more about personal tempting and, and screw tape proposes a toast is about the dangers of not democracy the political system but rather democracy mm-hmm. the basically institutionalized envy right envy basically that's that's made okay by the fact that nobody is now supposed to be better than anybody else that was going to be my next yeah, yeah. point here. I numbered the paragraphs for my book that I have, The C.S. Lewis Goes to Hell. So the 32nd paragraph, it starts out, In a word, we may reasonably hope for the virtual abolition of education. You know, Lewis wrote The Abolition of Man here, kind of a tip of the hat to his own work, uh, possibly, maybe not intentionally. But anyway, he goes on, Virtual uh, uh, Abolition of Education, where... I'm as good as you has fully had its way. All incentives to learn and all penalties for not learning will vanish. The few who might want to learn will be prevented. Who are they to overtop their fellows? And anyway, the teachers, or should I say nurses, will be far too busy reassuring the dunce and patting them on the back to to waste any time on real teaching. And then he goes on to give a few more examples. And then he talks about the uh, liquidating the middle class, 
I believe it was earlier where he was setting up about the, you know, I'm as good as you, and he's doing a callback here. Then he throws in, you know, Aristotle, and then besides some other historical figures that he references. And it's just really very, very skillful. But yeah, the only other thing I may note is, if I didn't say already, that many editions of the Screwtape Letters now have the essay, Screwtape Proposes a Toast, but there is an annotated edition of the Screwtape Letters which definitely does include the, the the toast. So there's some good annotations uh, in the margins. And then, you know, there's a lot of different resources, but you can enjoy it in and of itself without any extra help. It's also, you know, it's it's also the screw tape thing that he wrote for the Americans. Mm-hmm. Although again and again he, you know, he he's very careful to say, and the English are very far along on this you know, ruinous path already, but you can tell he's kind of thinking of the Americans as he's <laughs> as he's making some of these points about, you know, democracy as a as a euphemism for envy or as a cover for for envy. Right. He also he also uses the word trauma in a very modern sense. Children who are fit to proceed to a higher class may be artificially kept back because the others would get a trauma. Beelzebub, what a useful word. By being left oh. behind, the bright pupil thus remains democratically fettered to his own age group throughout his school, school career. And a boy who would be capable of attacking Aeschylus or Dante sits listening to his coevals' attempts to spell out a cat sat on a mat. So just fun, fun stuff. This episode of Inklings Variety Hour is brought to you by 12 Tide, a book that I and my wife, Clincora, have written. Are you looking for ways to make your Christmas more meaningful and less stressful? 12 Tide, 12 Days of Christmas provides you with creative and traditional resources that allow you and your family to begin to celebrate Christmas more joyfully, not as a post-shopping spree, present-devouring frenzy, but rather as a season of intentional giving, feasting, and reflection from Christmas Eve to January 6th. Inside you'll find daily reflections, artistic inspiration, daily prayers, literature excerpts, journal prompts, a gift-giving guide, and also a real spirit of flexibility and celebration. This is where we're not prescribing a way to celebrate Christmas. Instead, we're equipping you with resources to help you celebrate Christmas both more traditionally and more creatively. We're very proud of this book. Go ahead and look it up on Amazon. It's 12 Tide, T-W-E-L-V-E space T-I-D-E. And feel free to order it. I now return you to our program. So uh, the second piece by Lewis that you highlighted is also an essay. What is it and why'd you, why'd you pick it up? Yeah, the way to glory. I mean, there's many, many essays that I could have easily talked about, and and you know, in terms of the the book selections, I did avoid ones that people maybe are more familiar with. But even though this would be the one of the most familiar ones, if anyone has read any essay by Lewis, I wanted to highlight it because it is so good. Years ago, I did some anniversary reflections of it. And this was actually a sermon first for, for Lewis, and he uh, gave it on June the 8th, 1941. And my understanding is that this was only his second sermon, the first one he gave a few years before. And I think both were at the same location at St. Mary the Virgin, 
And so, you know, a, a key reason that this is his greatest sermon is, you know, he does a perfect balance between giving a carefully reasoned talk that is highly memorable with various different quotes and illustrations. He begins by noting, if you ask 20 good men today what they thought the highest of the virtues, 19 of them would reply unselfishness. But if you ask any of the great Christians of old, he would have replied love. Then a few sentences later, he says, the New Testament has lots to say about self-denial, but not about self-denial as an end in itself. And then the last two sentences of the first paragraph is, we are half-hearted creatures fooling around with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offering of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. End quote. You know, and again, that is just the start. That is the first paragraph. And it just really just, oh, man, it, it's so good. In fact, I was recalling, in fact, I ended up switching one of the, the, the books I'm going to talk about um, was a, a book of daily readings. And so I first read this before reading the complete essay, a short excerpts from it to where, you know, by, uh, in and of themselves, there were just so, so, so many great thoughts that he has in this. And so that's, that's a key reason why I wanted to make sure people, if they haven't read it, that they definitely read it. And then if they have read it, go back and read it again because it is so good. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, so many of the most members. And again, this is another, we, we talked on, on your show about Lewis's great tra- chapter about heaven and the problem of pain. But uh, this is a fantastic essay on heaven. Well, I mean, about much more, but but certainly, yeah certainly about heaven. Yeah, and the, the only other final th- uh, thought, I mean, there's much more that can be said. I, I actually had other people as guests on a show years ago to where they, they I had them just share without necessarily knowing what the other person had said, you know, why they really enjoyed the, the, the weight of glory. And so a lot of things, but just the final thing is that, you know, after talking about, you know, beginning about love, then he, he, he does come back to the virtue of love by mentioning, commenting that it may be possible for each to think too much of his own glory. And then yet considering the glory of your neighbor is something that you can never think too much of. Thus, we should be very concerned with what our neighbor's relationship with God is like and make every effort to improve it. And then a quote that, say, if you've heard any quote from, this would be among them, and this will be the last thing I'm going to share. Lewis says, quote, the load or weight or burden of my neighbor's glory should be laid daily on my back, a load so heavy that only humility can carry it, and the backs of the proud will be broken. Yeah, yeah, and that's straight out of Purgatorio as well, because the 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 punishment the proud have that makes them humble is to carry these gigantic boulders around that that terrace of the, the terrace of the of the proud but that's one of the that's one of the cool and rewarding things about lewis is that like new things kind of occur to each time right and these little easter eggs that he that he has well other writers are are there but yeah that's that's so fantastic i i love i love too that you know, I, I think I think a lot of us would 
read that and say, okay, well, I better get my tracts and start mm-hmm. passing them out so that more people, but, but the, but the application that he makes of that is no, no, no. Every day we are choosing to snub or exploit or treat well possible gods and goddesses, right? A society right, yeah. of immortals. And the first and foremost way that we witness to them is by being Christ-like toward them, right? By by not snubbing and exploiting them, right? And and even treating them well. And even if they're frightfully dull people or seem that way, that's an illusion. They're really not. And and if we learn to see the world the way God sees it, if we learn to see people the way God sees them, we'll never find other humans uninterested. We 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 will you know obviously the discipline of treating someone well and treating someone in a loving way comes first. But as we do, we learn to see them in you know the glory that God, the, the, the unique glory that, that God is going to shine through them begins to manifest itself or, or, or could begin to manifest itself. But, but yeah, I, I love that. It's not just like, well, so go and witness to your neighbor. No, no, go and go and treat your neighbor well. And, and clearly that obviously involves telling them about Christ as well, but you can't you can't disconnect those things but yeah it's a fantastic sermon all right so i have never been a huge fan of the four loves so i'm excited to hear you tell me what you love about it so that i can also see more that is you know that that is that is worthwhile and great about the four loves so so tell me tell me your experience of this book and what you love about it well, yeah, so the my experience with the Four Loves, I had picked up the book version of it not that long after, you know, starting to read Lewis. In fact, my original copy here, actually, that's right, yeah, it actually tells me it was, within the first year, it was a collection of books that I uh, did buy back in August of 1982. However, I did not read it until much later because it, it was different. And it was only after listening to an audio version, which technically speaking, I actually even wrote a, a, an article on my website about it. And so I, let's see, what did I title it here? I'm bringing it up here. The Four Loves Audio, or this, my statement is, this is false. The Four Loves Audio is Lewis reading his book. And so it's not. It's not Lewis reading his book, but it was originally a radio series of talks at 10 parts about love. And so it was um, probably three or four years after getting the um, printed copy, I got these cassettes. And so I listened to those. And so I've definitely enjoyed that. You know, it's some of it was like, okay, pretty good, pretty good. But then some of the the standout lines that especially, well, one I'll share here in a moment, but in terms of just uh, a sample of it, that I was reviewing here is that in uh, one on friendship, he says, in each of my friends, there is something that only some uh, other friend can fully bring out. By myself, I am not large enough to call the whole man into activity. I want other lights 
than my own to show all his facets. And then he goes on to give an example that at the time I didn't know anything. Who's Charles? You know, you know, who is Ronald? But this is Charles Williams and J.R. Tolkien. He's just using their, you know, name, first names here. And so he goes on to say, now that Charles is dead, I shall never again see Ronald's reaction to a specifically Caroline joke. Far from having more of Ronald, having him, quote, to myself, now that Charles is away, I have less of Ronald. Hence, true friendship is the least jealous of loves. Two friends delight to be joined by a third and three by a fourth. And then he goes on. And then he does a really good humorous um, uh, a line here uh, later in the chapter. It says, quote, people who bore one another should meet seldom. People who interest one another often. <laughs> yeah, you know, not the most maybe original. I was like, okay, sure, that's true. But in terms of, I haven't seen a meme about this, but people would probably question it because it seems a little too, not not that Lewis can't do a, a, a pithy thing, but it doesn't seem quite what he might say. But uh, I don't know if I'll read all of the, the other one, but the one that really stood out to me was later on where he says, to love it all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will be certainly or will certainly be wrong and possibly be broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must keep your, uh, give your heart to no one, not even to an animal. And then he goes on to say then, the only place outside of heaven where you can be perfectly safe from all the dangers and perpetrations of love is hell. It's like, ooh, you know, drop the mic. Mm -hmm. And so I found a lot of pr profound things and so since my training is in, in counseling, many people don't aware that I'm a mental health counselor. And so, you know, a lot of things in terms of people being vulnerable and taking risks and such. And so I found that that really spoke to a lot of different things that very true that, you know, hadn't, hadn't necessarily thought about it in the way that Lewis is, is presenting it. But and then for those who have maybe listened to the audio and you think, oh, I don't have to read the book. The book has much more material. He did definitely add quite a bit. The audio just looks at the four loves. He does, uh, I think it's uh, two chapters, if not more, before even getting into some of that content. And so it is well worth the read. So I encourage you, Chris, to reconsider and put that on the list of uh, of things. Yeah. I, I wish there would be an unabridged version of the actual book itself hmm. to come out sometime. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I've read it. It was a while ago. Um, and I just like all those other stuff more. No, that's fair. But but yeah, it's it's got some great insights and then I love the part about, you know, having more of your friends when other friends kind of um bring um other aspects out of them. I think that's I think that's absolutely true, at least to an extent. I think obviously if one of the friends is completely out of sympathy with the other two, then it might quite right. It has to be people that, that have well. good um, have good come good camaraderie right. already and stuff. Yeah, yeah, to really bring out the best of each other. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I love I love his insight there, and I love uh, you know Charles Williams, Terror Tolkien, you know, illusion there. But uh, yeah, now you've you've written a book down here that I've heard of, but I don't think I. I definitely don't have it. I don't think I've read it. The business of heaven. Can you tell me about the business of heaven? It's a. It's a. It was the first daily readings from C.S. Lewis that actually came out, and so Walter Hooper edited it. 
Now, there have been other collections of, of even excerpts, but this is, is a daily reading one. This one is, is available on Kindle and the original or in print as well. But I have my original copy that uh, I got in September of 1984. So it's got my original underlines and markings. And I already alluded to that the weight of glory I first read in this. And uh, I never did go back to figure out you know, like how much of it that he actually shared. But one of the nice things is, is like he'll start uh, a particular essay. It may be at the beginning or may not be. And then he'll do it over um, several days. You know, you can find out by going into the, into the back of the, of the book is how they did it in this case. I think other ones, it just tells you at the end of it. But uh, nevertheless, it's it's a really nice, uh, fascinating, you know, a variety of exposure. It doesn't have any of his fiction. Early on in January, they did three days in a row for the problem of pain, and they probably came back to it. I know I see mere Christianity mentioned in, or, you know, excerpted in January, and then later in February, and then in March. So obviously, there's so much from that, which I had read. But then at the time, I hadn't read Miracles, so I was exposed to some material from that book. And then a whole, you know, whole bunch of different essays that I'd never heard of. The, the World's Last Night, which we referenced, is, is an essay collection. That's, that's the lead one. Two Ways with Self, Membership, Equality, Myth Became Fact. And then one that definitely I could have easily chose if I was going to choose an essay. In fact, I think I almost did. It's uh, Meditation in a Tool Shed. I probably would have chose that if I wanted to, to pick something that would be not as common. Uh, that's probably in people's top 10 list, I, I would say offhand, of yeah. Lewis's essays. But it's, it's a really excellent book if you know any of our listeners is like, oh, you know, I've read all of Lewis or, or all that I think I might be interested in. If you're wanting to get exposed to a wide variety of his uh, other nonfiction selections, then this would be something very, very good to pick up. All right. Well, William and Flaherty, I, I, th I think for just sort of one last question that, that, I, that I'd kind of like to hear from you on, what work by C.S. Lewis have you either not read yet or read, but it's been a while and you'd kind of like to come back to? Okay. Well, you know, just like with the, with anything with, with Lewis, like, you know, what is your favorite? It'll depend on what you're maybe reading at the moment. And there's different things that can stand out. But actually, some titles that we've already mentioned in that, you know, one of the things I was going to talk about at one point would have been an experiment in criticism because I really liked it. It's a nice, short, concise, but a scholarly work. But I want to go back and revisit that because when I was like preparing to maybe share some things, I realized I didn't have as much tangible off the top of my head things to, to talk about. And so it's like, man, it's been too long since I've read it. And then while I definitely would like to, but I know I won't do it anytime soon, the English language in the 16th, well, that's the re revised title, I realize, but it's, it's, it's the old hell uh, volume, uh -huh, English uh -huh. Literature in the 16th Century Excluding Drama, I guess is the original subtitle. They uh, did come out with a note. Anyway. Regardless of that, to try to avoid getting into too many background history stuff, but that one being 25 hours is not probably realistic for me to, you know, to, to jump into. But I actually was going to say the discarded image you encouraged me to, but I, I'm going to switch my answer spontaneously as I'm glancing yeah. at a list of other ones. And a preface to Paradise Lost, I oh, definitely okay. want to get into. Yeah, and I'd say, honestly, that's probably, if, if you're... If you're at all familiar with Milton, and even if you're not, which I'm not actually, it's, so it's I mean, a it's a great 
It's a great read. Mm-hmm. It's 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 a lot of fun. It's really interesting. And I, I'd say probably that's the most readable of his scholarly works. Probably somebody I'm sure has a different idea who knows more than I do. But 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 yeah, I I I I think Preface to Paradise Lost is great and it's short as well. It's shorter even than discarded image, but it's it's fantastic. And it will make you want to read Milton if you haven't. So so there's that too. Well, William O'Flaherty, thank you so much for joining us and, and giving us of your time. And it's been great having this conversation with you. Happy C.S. Lewis Reading Day. Oh, thank you, Chris. I really enjoyed being on your show today. All right. Well, listeners, thanks again for joining us. And, you know, take advantage of, of C.S. Lewis Reading Day. Read some C.S. Lewis. There will be other podcasts, C.S. Lewis Radio Podcasts, doing things like, well, is anyone else doing a crossover? Yeah, I'm not sure if they are. And it would yeah. have the uh, live thing if people are listening to this early enough. And But uh, yeah, a lot of good things are already out there that maybe people will, will find out about because of this. There will be things, people Morris dancing in the street, I'm sure, and smoking pipes, you know, everywhere and all sorts of things. So yeah, and enjoy your day and I'll see you all next time. All blessed encounter full of joy, unscheduled on a decent plan, with here an addict of Tolkien, there a Charles Williams fan. <laughs>